So, this past uh, Friday night, your little group of friends around here packed uh, 39 boxes with 40 packets in each box or enough uh, food to feed uh, 9,360 people. Uh, you know, that, was, that was pretty good for our little effort. But that's nothing compared to the other organiza organizations that were there all working together. I think that that night, that Friday night, and I'm sure there's some updates because they worked all day yesterday, uh, we packaged enough food on Friday night for 158 kids to eat every day of the year. 158 kids. That'll make a difference in someone's in someone's life. So thank you for coming and being a part of that. Uh, we're happy to take part in, in the Mill Mania, the Packathon, the Feed the Hunger, the whatever, whatever we call it. Uh, uh, we just know that we go down and do the packaging that we saw there, and it's a delight for us to do that every year. And this, this is really our, probably our sixth year, fifth year, fifth year that we've done it. Uh, it grows a little bit each each time. Um, J.D. Smith is uh, our leader, our fearsome leader in uh, the uh, packaging and the distribution of this food, and he can tell you a lot more about it than I can, where it goes and, and what its purpose is and how. I, I just I don't know how you mobilize all those people and get all that food there and, and, and to do... That much work in that short a period of time is, is phenomenal to, to me. Um, I found out that J.D. lives about three or four miles from where I grew up. We didn't know each other, but uh, um, he um, is from Davidson, somewhere close to Davidson. You probably don't even know where Davidson, North Carolina is, but somewhere close to Davidson, North Carolina, somewhere close to Mooresville, Charlotte area. And uh, he's a lot of different things. He's a father. He's a brother. He's a son. He's a friend to many. He's a pastor. But I think the most telling thing about J.D. Smith is that he's a servant leader. So I'd like for you to welcome to uh, our platform this morning, Mr. J.D. Smith. Thank you, sir. Now, it begins with one. average life, your heart will beat more than two and a half billion times. Two and a half billion times. Never resting. Every hour. Every day. Always searching. Where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. You only have one. One heart. One life. In America, like no other place in the world, you have choices. To whom much is given, opportunities. Much will be required. Is it safe to drink water in your country? 
do Americans really eat three times a day? Are there schools in your country for every child? AIDS is destroying Africa. In some countries, one out of every four people is infected and suffering from the disease. AIDS is wiping out an entire generation, leaving behind more than 10 million orphans. Who takes care of all the orphans in your country? Are you tired of people saying there's nothing you can the do? The problem is too big. One person can't change the world. Are you going to sit back and watch? I only have one. I only have one life. Or are you going to do something? You only have one. I want to be an engineer. I will be a teacher. I want to be a nurse. Good morning. Wow, that little video is a little hard act to follow, huh? Kind of makes my heart pound, brings tears to my own eyes, and I've seen it a, a few times. Thank you so much for allowing me to be with you today and uh, join on your mission with you here on the Grand Strand in Longs, South Carolina, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's an awesome experience for me to be able to, um, really humbling too, to be honest to get on anybody's uh, church platform or uh, in a warehouse with you. Um, so you'll know, in case some of you were there the other night, maybe I'll look more familiar, <laughs> like you know with one of these things on. And then some of you, uh, hope that didn't mess up all the way I had my hair combed just right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what, what I have of it. Maybe some of you might have saw some other people there with this on uh, Friday night. I certainly saw some of you. And these efforts, uh, as you've been discovering with Pastor George over the last few weeks and then continuing into next week, to be on mission with God uh, was his idea. And it can look like hairnet on your head. It can look like um, walking across the parking lot with a little lady who can barely make herself get across the parking lot with a cane, unable to walk. It can look like that. And by the way, I'm describing a little lady that I had the privilege of helping across a parking lot yesterday as she exited from having packed meals for people. And her biggest conversation piece and from where we came out of the building to her car was that she couldn't do enough. Now she was not able to get out of the building to her car on her own 
that she was part of processing and packing thousands of meals for starving kids. Now, my encouragement to her is, without you, nothing happens. But we all know that without Jesus Christ, none of this ever happens. The greatest missionary who ever lived, in my opinion, was Jesus Christ. He left the comforts of being the king of the universe, being with the Father and the Holy Spirit, in our terminology, day and night and all the time. And he came down here and got in our mess. Dirty, filthy lives that we fall into and that things happen to us and happens to the whole planet. And, and he came down here to bring resolution to that. The greatest mission that was ever began. And then he's chosen guys and gals like us. I mean, with all my mess, I get to have the honor of serving somebody else in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you, can you believe we get to do this? It's amazing that he would choose us. And I don't know about you. Maybe you guys go ahead and raise your hand if your life's all that and two bags of chips. One day I said that, all that and a bag of chips, and somebody raised their hand. And I was so glad to meet that person. But if you say two bags of chips, that pretty much cuts everybody out. Let me uh, say a quick prayer here, and um, we'll begin to see what God has for me and all of us today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're a glorious and awesome God. Sitting on the circumference of the universe, able to keep it all under control and yet abiding with the lowly in heart. Only you can be all that. We declare that you are all that, God. You are all that. Thank you for visiting us here on earth and making a way for us to get back and reconciled with you in heaven someday. And even as we live this journey here, Lord, I ask that you would open my heart to only hear what you have me to speak today. And for those who are here celebrating with me all the great things that you do, that they would hear clearly from you today what you have for them at this moment in their life. In Jesus' name. Before we get to talking about running over and packing some more meals or uh, going to Liberia, or as you saw in the short video, AIDS is killing lots of people. You know, it's been around a while now, so you don't hear as much about it as you did unless your family's impacted. A little bit like Ebola for Liberians and other West African countries now. It just kind of keeps spreading, and we'll see what God does about that. But before we get to all that, let's just take a few minutes and talk about home. Be begin at home. And if I can weave this correctly over the next 20 minutes or so, you'll hear an example or some examples and stories of how you can make a difference by hearing it from somebody else's perspective. Jesus is really good at telling stories. He was better than me than me that, with all that. He's probably the greatest preacher. So he's the best missionary, the greatest preacher. He's the best everything, right? Jesus, our Lord. He called them parables, or they were called parables in those days. I want to 
talk to you a minute about the reality that I get around so many times with churches and peoples or school is, is that they will, I don't know how many times I hear this, a lot, from coffee shops to wherever, I know God has for me to do this in my life, but I would go over there, whether that's down the street or over there to the Ukraine or wherever there is in their heart and mind. But that but has a lot of things to unpack behind it. Everything from what about the money? Let's face it, Jesus talked about money. We'll talk about it a little bit today. Oh, well, you know what? Who am I? I can't even get my own mess straightened out. So there's all kinds of things behind that but. I think the real thing behind all that but is probably, you can agree or not, some elements of fear. I'm afraid to get out of my comfort zone. I'm afraid to enter somebody else's mess. I am afraid that I won't have enough my own self. I'm afraid that if I use what I've got, if I don't hold on to it, no matter that I was given it freely, especially in America, that perhaps tomorrow I won't have enough. And boy, do I ever get that. Now, I don't know if that resonates with any of you, but it sure has been in moments of my life something that shackled me from being able to live the full life that God had for me to live in serving other people. So I want to begin here with this part. Uh, in Exodus 14, 14, it's kind of a simple little verse, and this has to do with some old-time Israelites. And the, the Scripture says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Some of us today have uh, numerous things going on around us where it can just be frenetic energy on steroids. There's, you know, the gas bills due, the cell phone bill, uh, got, it got turned off, we couldn't get it paid. Our, our wife is not who we thought she was. That could be because her husband is not who she thought he was. There, there's all the, our, our, our pastor, why don't he this, or why don't she that? There's all these things going on in our lives all the time that is not any different than how the folks who live in Seattle are feeling this morning as they process in the Native American community. How could a 14-year-old go kill some of his cousins? And, and who saw it coming? And last weekend, he was being celebrated and applauded on a field. I mean, how do you process all of that without standing still and letting God answer? Well, in America, we just fix stuff. We uh, get all busy. We want to run and do this. We want to run and do that. Uh, Performance-based living. It starts when we're really little. It's ingrained in us. I'm not talking about the you should work so you can eat part. I'm talking about the you've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to so that you'll live up to somebody's standards. You, have you ever found who somebody is? 
Who is that somebody that set all these standards that we've got to have this, we've got to have that? And if we don't, somehow our life is not fulfilled. I, I don't know that somebody, but I've heard about him for about 60 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm that old, so maybe some of you thought I was older than that. That's okay, but I am that old. Here's a, a Civil War era chaplain. I want to just read this directly. Don't do that a lot, but I want to. He wrote, When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We are in a measure shutting tomorrow out of our prayer. Well, that right there is anti-American. We do not live in tomorrow. We live in today. We do not seek tomorrow's grace or tomorrow's bread. They thrive best and get the most out of life who live in the living present. Who live in the living present. They pray best who pray for today's needs, not for tomorrow's, which may render our prayers unnecessary and redundant by never happening at all. Tomorrow might not come, so fret not. True prayers are born of present trials and present needs. Bread for today is bread enough. Bread given for today, what, when God supplies our daily needs, what's going on with us right now, we, we need a new job. We need a job, much less a new one. We need a better car. We can't get here. We can't get there. We certainly need our health to be better. There, there's a lot of pieces that we may pray about. But that provision of that bread for that piece of our life for today so that we can live it today is bread enough. Victory today is the assurance of victory tomorrow. Our prayers maybe should be better focused upon the present. We must trust God today and leave tomorrow entirely with Him. The present is ours. The future belongs to God. Prayer is the task and duty of each recurring day. Daily prayers for daily needs. So when we pray those prayers, and sometimes we recite the Lord's Prayer in church services, give us this day our daily bread. The next time you're involved with that, or you're in your prayer closet, or your private time with the Lord, and you're saying, God, I, I really, whatever you need to say with him about your present needs and circumstances, know that whatever he's provided you, be content with that. Now, as a man, and I am that, I think a lot about how my kids are going to get through college. I think a lot about how I'm going to pay for this volleyball club that my daughter just got into. Y- y'all feeling that? I think about that stuff because when these things occur, it's not always clear where the provision is going to come from. But the peace that keeps us from being neurotic about these things can come from God as we learn to trust that, hey, he's got our back. Not only did he come long ago to live among us, to bring us out of this daily mess, he's still with us today. He abides in me. The king of glory resides in me. I can be, have joy unspeakable and peace that surpasses understanding. Now, that doesn't say that we're not going to have a hard time. Miss Tipton, who's a part of this church, is she able to be here this morning? So... 
here's what happens. I'm going to transition this over to a little bit more missional now. Mary, right? Mary Tipton. Marley Tipton. Came down, packed meals with some of you on Friday night, and maybe you all don't know this by now. But on her way out in the last bathroom stop, the bathroom door got her. She did a great thing, came down, packed meals. And I'm not saying that it just got her. Somehow or another, this bathroom door down there had like a springy thing on it. And it, I don't want to gross you out, it pretty much mashed her finger half off. So she's got some stitches today. And you know what she was saying? Like, Georgia's going to miss dinner. I mean, she was like, what are we going to do about that? I'm like, "Uh, your finger's about to fall off here. (laughs) See, well, I'll be fine. Let's just go get something to eat. I said, no, take her to the ER. Even in the midst of doing the right thing or a good thing or exactly what God called you to, don't expect everything to be all rosy. Don't expect to not have problems. For a, a few years in America, there was a lot of teaching that going around, and I'm not that guy, and if you all want to believe that stuff, it's okay, that just when we become Christian, all this other stuff goes away. Now, we just begin to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, who Jesus sent when he, came, when he left here, to make us strong, make us power, make us know how we can live our lives every day, how we can get to the provision to be able to do these things. I'm going to use all that and just hop right over here for a second. Now we're going to tell them about more overtly going on mission. So what I hope I've done for you is this. Set a stage for you not to have an excuse to do what God asks you to do. So God's going to take care of us in our daily needs as we cry out to him. And we're going to learn together. Together we're better, right? Say, can you say that? I don't do much of this, getting people to recite after me, but can we say, together we are better? Oh, come on now. Together we're better? Yes, we are, as exhibited on Friday night for some of you and then all day yesterday. 20-some organizations. Pam, would you tell us the rough numbers of what happened for the weekend? Yeah. Now the little lady shuffling across the parking lot couldn't do all those. And Miss Tipton, with valiant efforts, couldn't do all of those. And certainly Pam, who is a local coordinator for City Impact in the Mill Mania, lives right here on the Grand Strand, she couldn't do all those. And I can tell you the truth, I don't even know how to seal the bags. So there is, I'm not kidding, that's not my thing. It's not my territory, I stay in my assignment. So there was, but together, all these groups and organizations, some church, some churchy, some not churchy at all, all work together to do something better for people who are really hungry. And they were called or invited, they might think by Pamela, or a local church pastor like George to engage on that. But let's just remember that God's inspiring these things to do good things for other people, to be on mission with Him as He supplies their daily needs. Because if you're in Liberia right now, as an example, the pa- our pastor coordinator there, his name's Daniel, he's in Buchanan, Liberia. We just took in three orphans who both their parents died of Ebola. They're young teenagers, 
boy and two girls. You know, their daily needs make me look like I have no problems. As a matter of fact, I don't have any problems. I have the King of Glory. I have Jesus Christ as my sustenance, and He provides for me every day. And if He asks me to provide for those children, we'll find a way to provide for those children. And you're part of that. So, for me to stay in my rails this morning, once we're affirmed and confirmed in our hearts that God will take care of us, what He invites us to is no big deal. Because if He can take care of my mess, He can surely get me where He wants me to be. Amen? This church, you haven't been in this building very long. Look what God has done. Isn't this amazing? I mean, it's amazing to me because, you know, starting churches, talk about being on mission with God, George. I'm telling you, starting a church, there's some serious work in that business. And you want to talk about persecution, you can get lots of pushback. It's not all what it looks like some days. But what a fastest way in America, especially in America, really in the whole world, to get new people to be converts of Jesus Christ is the mission of planting a church. The curve of new convert new people accepting jesus christ as lord and savior and entering into discipleship happens in the first few years of a church starting after that it sort of kind of plateaus so if you think about that's the way to reach the most we can do lots of initiatives and outreaches and we should do that to reach our community right here to reach across the ocean reach around the country but this is an amazing mission experience i would encourage you to get this one going good and multiply multiply in the early 1900s there was a gentleman named Everett he was about 19 years old and a young girl named Eliza and she was 17 so they left their home in Ohio got married left home and they settled in rural West Virginia up some holler is anybody here from West Virginia all right Lincoln County is where I'm yeah, I'm Davidson now, but West Virginia is my roots. So Everett and Eliza, they settled up this holler. If you're not in West Virginia, you won't know that word very well, maybe. They settled up this holler, and they, they managed to scrape out 50 acres there, and it took them about 10 years to pay for it. It was $500. $500. Some of you got car payments more than that every month. But they did, as an early 1900s, that'd be a lot of money today, right? I mean, you know, if you do the math out. So they did that, and uh, Everett could not read, and he could not write. And Eliza taught herself to read. She was a homemaker. They had eight kids. And they had been there just a few years in this very rural community, and everybody was dirt poor, very dirt poor, no running water, nothing. They built a shack, and they felt like God would have them start a church. So if you get that out of the mindset of today, like, look at all this fancy stuff we've got. I mean, they they basically set up a camp meeting and together with some neighbors started talking about Jesus and the Bible and trying to understand what was going on in their life for their daily needs. Now, that church is still in existence today. It's called Joe's Creek Baptist Church. It's an independent Baptist church. Well, they had eight kids, you heard me say. Eight kids. They had all kinds of troubles with those kids. Some of them, as soon as they got old enough, left home. The oldest daughter, her husband ended up killing her and going to kill him himself. 
I mean, you know, there's nothing different than the stories that we have here every day, right? Yet here they are trying to eke out their existence, trying to do something God called them to do, be, plant this church, start a church, up some holler where there's not going to be more than 40 people ever come to this church. Now on their reunion Sundays, a couple hundred people do come because they're scattered all over. About 10 years ago, we got to help them, that family tree, rebuild the building that they first had built, which was nothing but a shack, which also served as the local school. A little different than we have now. The school's over here, the church is over there. Sometimes you can merge them together. But that was what they did. Their youngest son was a preacher. The other ones were business people, farmers, different things like that. The youngest son was a preacher. And he was a Baptist preacher. He never started a church. He filled a pulpit on two or three different churches in his lifetime. He had a son and two daughters. Now, the two daughters both go on quite a different number of mission experiences. So I want you to hear what God is asking you today will impact somebody else a couple of generations from now. Now, if you're in El Salvador or Liberia or Haiti, somebody, uh, met a lady today here, can't see, 20 times, 20 times somebody said, in, there she is, in Haiti. I just really want to know her big time. So that couple from the early 1900s are impacting the world today because they obeyed God to step out and do something they couldn't read or write, had no money, had eight kids, had to uproot the trees out of the ground, not with tractors, but with donkeys. Now, Everett, he was the kind of guy, when there was a barn raising, he was the first guy there. He was the last guy who left. That's whoever it was. His work ethic was really high. Well, it's a little self-serving for me to tell that story because that was my grandfather. Now, today, because not so much that I said yes, but that he said yes, and that before him, Jesus Christ said yes, we get to, in our family tree, experience this with you, packing meals on the Grand Strand. And all of you are going to be doing something more because Jesus said yes, and the next guy says yes, and the next lady says yes, and the lady going to Haiti is saying yes all the time. It's not about us. It's about who we're reaching and who we're allowing Jesus to reach through us. Does that make sense? So you can outlive yourself as soon as you start. But if you sit right here, this is where you'll live and die. But when you go, you're going to reach the whole earth. And you may not live to see it here, but when we get to heaven, as old Ray Bolt's song, you guys remember that one? They're going to come up and you're going to say, because of you, I am here. That's what we get to experience on mission. So I'll encourage you for that. Let's move to, because I am way over my time. So there is who you are in your current situation, your daily needs. God will fulfill those and sustain you. Now you've heard, some of you have already heard God say, let's, when he said let's, he's saying you first with him. Go, be, do this, whatever that is for you. Sometimes you'll hear that through your pastor. Often as not, a good leader will hear God, and then he will share with you the direction of the church or for your life, and when you seek that wise counsel, you'll know, affirmed from God, what your next right step is. You might not get the whole blueprint, 
did you get the next right step for you in your life or the life of the church? Now, where we come and I think George actually asked me to be here today. Is it okay if I just say George or should I say pastor? George, okay. Thank you. (laughs) Boy, I understand that feeling. What is and who is City Impact and why do I care about this stuff? Our role in ministry, what God's asked us to be, myself personally and the groups of people who work around me, or we are catalysts of help and hope. And what, what does that mean? It means we try to inspire people to collaborate together like a mill mania on Friday night and yesterday to be more together when they've stepped out with God to do things. We join in communities who will work together to be more together, to do things with God. That's, that's our role in this ministry. Now, there are tracks of things that we work on. And we'll get a couple of slides about that in a minute. I'll just talk about them briefly. But the essence that I want you to know is that we're not a program. We can match up with your church. We, we want to know what's going I want to know what this is with Haiti for lots of reasons because we have supplies and things that we can send to Haiti. So there are pieces of the puzzle in the body of Christ. It's Christ's body, right? that we need to know each other and we need to build relationship and we need to have strong teaching from the platform like George does we need to have that all those elements come together we call that collaborative partnership we can be more and get more done when we function that way now in in our role of ministry there are many I'll call them brands sometimes interdenominational we get to work with a lot of denominations doing things together like Friday night and Saturday. There's multiple ones there. Uh, they can be who they are. There's nothing wrong with any of them as far as I can tell. I'm not the judge anyway, right? Are you? We're not the judge, right? Just want to check, make sure that it did say Jesus was the judge. Okay. So the, all together though, we become a reflection of who Jesus Christ is. So if we can stay with that, let me go to uh, that's who City Impact succinctly is. And I'll tell you how that, what that looks like in some places. What's the next slide up here? Okay, a lot of people meet me this way. This is how a lot of people meet me. You're a little different. You didn't meet me in the disaster, natural disaster zone. That's how we get introduced to a lot of people. In a disaster response zone, and your church can be a part of this as well, when there's a natural disaster in the United States and sometimes like the Philippines or some other activities we do too outside of the U.S., we and a network of people like you and us, we respond together. Now, we have access to um, a lot of donated products. We have access to a lot of volunteers who do things and have different skill sets and levels who some are better trained than others. We form these collaborations on a national level. So I work with a lot of groups and a lot of denominations. So when an episode happens like more Oklahoma, then we are ready to go respond to a community who can't right then take care of themselves. Now living on the Grand Strand, some of you are probably around here when Hugo came, and those were before our days we were doing this. When it comes, when it comes, when it comes earthquake or hurricane whichever one gets here first you're in a prime zone for both when it comes we're one of the groups who will collaborate and come to your aid 
then when we come, what we're looking for is who is collaborating together already there so that we plug in to what you're already doing. So on the Grand Strand, and you probably know this, there are eight zones for disaster response here. And we will be implementing and deploying into all eight of those zones with local partners and outside partners. And the reason that's how we function in collaborative partnership is this. We can be more and get more done faster. Instead of it just being, uh, well, I don't have one, you won't see it, a city impact truck. There'll be blank trucks. There'll be semi-loads of products with no names on them that will come and they'll support the local church networks and the county governments here so that together we can be more. So it'll interact with schools, the government leaders, and primarily through the faith-based groups. We're, that's an emerging training process for us here on the Grand Strand, so we're going to this church and others will be invited very shortly to convene to have a disaster preparedness training for two purposes. One, to be ready in your own backyard. We have to take care of home, right? If you don't know how to take care of your own house, truly, how can you help your neighbor? So we're going to help you have that further instruction. And then, so that you can also deploy and go someplace where there's a natural disaster. Do you hear the stream of collaborative partnership? That's how we function. It's the body of Christ together. So you can join with that. The next slide. I just talked about that, so we're good. I started not to put this in here, but with the current situation with Ebola and you know, some of the rampant fear that's running around in America right now over it, I thought I would mention this. We have been involved there uh, with a child sponsorship sponsorship program and some long distance training of church pastors who are trying to get their churches to a little healthier position so they can multiply so we've been involved there for a while our efforts we've had two uh, containers of humanitarian aid sent that way over the last month we have some more we're gathering up uh, for that that is some of that will be meal packs similar to what you did this week none of what you did is going there but similar to that will be going hygiene kits and those kind of things going out through the church network there so you know that's a, an area where now that you're a partner with us but we haven't we don't have a written agreements or anything here at least not yet but you're partnering with us. you came out to a mill mania a few years in a row now as a partner with city impact you're touching the ebola crisis overseas i want you to know that because it's a we thing we are in this together this is not they city impact does this this is we city impact we renovation we waterbrook we carolina forest community church we the rotarians we oklahoma city we pittsburgh we do you see what i mean we are doing this so thank you for your prayers you may have prayed for folks in liberia or about the ebola thing some of our efforts are partly because you prayed. Next slide, please. Next slide. Next slide. Yeah, let's stop right here a second. I didn't know we that the office put that many slides in for Library and Ebola. Let me let me say, George, would you lead a prayer for the Ebola thing?
Father God, when we hear even the term Ebola, it strikes fear in our hearts. Fear because we don't know what it is. We don't know how to cope. We see reports of so many people that are affected and, and die, 70% die. We think, what can we do? But God, we can play a big part in the entire Ebola crisis by impacting those folks in Liberia and Guinea and Sierra Leone through our prayers, through our gifts, through talented people and medicine that we send to them, through spiritual wellness that we send their way. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in that western part of Africa in a way like he has never moved before. That hearts would be opened up. Healings would take place. Miraculous healings would take place. And that this entire Ebola situation would be a thing that we can look back on and say, ah, yes, that was God's hand. He worked there. Show us how we might get involved. We, sitting here in Renovation Church today, how would you have us get involved in this? Take away our fears and give us instead an enthusiasm to help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. It just, uh, just seemed like the right thing to do. Uh, ne the next slide, please. Yay! Here's one you know for sure. Meal mania, right? Would you just take a second? I want you to do two things. First, applaud the Lord for what He has done for you, and then it's appropriate. Applaud yourself for getting out there and being part of what God's doing. Come on. That's the Lord's. You got more than that for the Lord, I know. Come on. That's good. All right, now, renovation. Come on. Maybe you didn't go, but you prayed. Maybe you went and forgot to pray. Let's, let's clap. Come on. That's good. God hears that. In, I heard it said from the platform today, you know there are various kinds of praising God. He inhabits the praises of his people. If you go back, and George has probably taught this, go back and, and review the worship of clap and see what that does. When God had people clap, what happens? You'll be amazed. You'll, want to, you'll be running around the house clapping. I will, I'll let George teach that one. So in that, these, what you packed this week, some stayed on the Grand Strand, some went into, our, into a warehouse where we keep them ready for disaster response, and then some are going to Bangladesh. So that's our Jerusalem right here, Judea, Samaria, and to uttermost. We try to have that holistic approach when we're working with churches. We give them the opportunity so that they can be to the four corners of the earth and right in their own backyard. Does that make sense? Didn't we read that in the Bible somewhere? And Jesus said, wait on the Holy Spirit before you go. So when you're in that still place and you're crying out to him, remember that he's the one doing it through you. He'll give you the peace that surpasses understanding and all the provision to go there. Let's go to the next one. 
this is brand spanking new. You're the first people who saw this, saw this slide. This has been in development for probably since the day I went to Katrina, but we didn't know it was in development until last year. So over the course of time in disaster zones, there's always more houses for people who had no insurance or who were grossly underinsured than ever get built back. If you haven't been to Louisiana, even during that period or even recently, there are blocks after blocks of empty slabs that never got rebuilt. People have moved on. It's been nine years. Of course they're going to move on. Life has changed drastically. So one of the things that we've found is so many churches want to be a part of that, but they can't, for whatever reasons, it's not what God hasn't equipped them, or they haven't stepped out enough in their faith. I'm not saying it's all... You're not hearing me criticize anybody, are you? I mean, it's one thing to hear from God and know you, that God has for you to do this, but to wait on God to equip and resource you, that's where we fall away sometimes. So when you hear God say go, I mean, yeah, Moses had it right. He was going to free the people, right? But he ended up messing up. He took it in his own hands. He ran out there, and then he's on the backside of the desert for way too long. But he did have a real cool thing out there. He met his wife and had all those kids and see even when you mess up god is about renovating your life right george come on people it's a renovate church renovation i thought you would get that i just thought that so what we've we've put together and bruce is with us today bruce just stand up for a second thank you bruce has been in quite a few disaster zones with us first as a volunteer he has a real passion to be able to see people's needs met but for them to know Jesus Christ. And lest I forget, and if I did say this already, forgive me for repeating it. No, nah, well, don't, don't do that. Underneath this collaborative effort, it's, it's not enough for me. I'm not going to live my life just doing good things for people. That's, anybody can do something good for somebody. I want your church and the churches that we work with and the people who aren't Christian that we work with to know Jesus Christ, Him crucified and resurrected, to give them the power to live life here and forevermore. That's underneath it. It's discipleship. Missions is about discipleship. It's not, the, it's not a part of discipleship. It's from beginning to end discipleship. Now, when George asks you to be a missionary to work in a coffee shop, do it just like God asked you because probably he did. If he asks you to help with the uh, be a greeter, I don't know what your terminology here is. Just do it. You don't, I mean, okay, you can say, I'm going to pray about that. Why? Just go do it. The will of God is answered while you're doing things. You can pray. Yes, we should pray, so don't hear me wrong. Yes, pray. And then start doing something. And if God doesn't want you to do that, he will slam that door shut for you. Hopefully not on your finger. Hopefully not on your finger. But if he needs your attention enough, and I'm not saying Miss Tipton needed anything. I'm just saying if he needs your attention, he can put you in jail. He can put you by a stream with no water. He can lock you in a prison like he did Joseph. He can put you in a jail cell if you won't pay attention long enough and get off that crack. He can do what he needs to do to get your attention. So it's easier just to say, yes, George. Right? Instead of waiting for God to get your attention the hard way. These building projects, we are taking two communities. So there are a couple of churches here, and I want renovation to be a part of that too, if they will. We will work together with you where we can have a mission experience in the parking lot 
of some church or organization here where multiple organizations work together just like we did for Millmania, and we will frame up a house, the interior and exterior walls. We'll stand it up so you can see it. Then we'll load that on a truck, and we'll take it to partner churches like Louisville, Mississippi, where I'll be next uh, two weekends from now doing this missions conference. We'll go there where 300 houses need to be built. You probably don't even know there was a tornado there in this spring. 300 people don't have a house over there. Or Little Rock, Arkansas, where there were 125 houses blown down. Now, not all of those were uninsured, but some were. Local churches like yours will know somebody who they go through the case management. That means we help them know what they should do, how to do it, how to access all the funding they can. Then we'll take this house and we'll help them get it built. So you can go on mission like that by staying in your own backyard. It's a new project with us, and we'll be excited to do one here next year. We're doing one in Pittsburgh in May if somebody wants to come up there. It also includes building sheds, which if you've ever had a disaster or a natural disaster, you will know that your precious few belongings that you have left, you would like to have somewhere to put them. So we do this same process with sheds. Bruce is going to be a coordinator for us on that, so we're working through all what all that means and how to get it going. Is there another slide? Just want to mention this briefly. It's not even on our website right now. We're transitioning it out to a separate ministry. Bridge Brew Coffee, it's a free trade coffee that uh, your church can use for fundraisers. Your church can use it over here. You can use it as individuals. The proceeds from that go to helping the school that we have in Liberia and to all, which also when you educate give people clean water, give them the gospel of peace, and you give them food and clothes on their back, you're stopping human trafficking. You know that, right? Those are are five elements needed to stop human trafficking. The trading of girls and boys um, for not good purposes. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me see the kids in here. I love the fact that there's different age groups in here and different nationalities. It's very cool. So if you want, we have some of this back here. I didn't come here to sell you anything. George asked me to bring that in, so I did. But we can talk about that more later for your church and for your families. It's just another piece we do so that the folks who are growing the coffee beans aren't slaves, and then the proceeds are used to help keep people from being slaves, particularly boys and girls. When you drink, I'm I'm not going to name a brand, there's... If you drink a non-fair trade coffee, there's a really good chance that who produced that for you works 14 to 16 hour days and has to do unspeakable things most of the night. So just think about those things. 27 million slaves in in the world today, the most at any time in human history it's not acceptable we can we can be more than that can't we together can't we do better than that okay next well there you go you're bridging hope in life's disasters whether it's down the street Uh, Pam what was the name of the shelter uh, kitchen that took the meals yesterday
So your efforts are not only in your own backyard, they're going into disaster zones. I'm talking about what you did now, what you have done up to this time with this alone that I'm aware of, plus other things that you do, and going to Bangladesh. So God is using you as a church. I want, want you to feel as good about that as you should. I also want you to feel as challenged as the Lord would have you feel. Because I'm not here to bring conviction or judgment on anybody. We have so much access in America. That's why my great grandparents and my grandparents who couldn't read and write, they had access here to education and eventually water got to the house. You know, I was a I was a grown I guess I thought I was a man when I was twenty. I was twenty years old before my grandparents had running water. That's in the United States of America, and if you don't see that around here, I can drive you within six hours of here to people who don't have electric and running water. So we can't ignore them while we're working on Liberia. We can do both. So as George and your other leaders and all of you, because in the body of Christ, you're all servant leaders. As you have ideas, as the Lord inspires you with Haiti or your own backyard or in your own family, people in your family who may need your help, just say yes to God. And watch what God can do when you just say yes. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Thank you for all you are as a church. Love you guys. Love what you do here. And I really love that you did the mission of starting a church. God bless you.